Support for the Source podcast comes from UT Health San Antonio, South Texas' largest academic research institution, where what is discovered in its labs translates into life-changing patient care. More at groundbreakingresearch.org. Welcome back to The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm David Martin Davies. From a sharecropping family in Jim Crow, Texas, to becoming the first black president of an Ivy League university, former Brown University president Ruth Simmons has written a book about her incredible life, Up Home, One Girl's Journey. Dr. Simmons will be speaking at Trinity University as the 2024 decursor lecturer at the Sternen Theater on Thursday, February 29th at 5 p.m. The event is free and open to the public. No tickets are required. And Dr. Ruth J. Simmons joins us now. And Dr. Simmons, it's an honor to have you on. Thank you, David. So in your, book, in your book, uh, you talk about, you open up by saying that you were born to be someone else. Explain that. Well, I, um, many people believe, um, correctly or incorrectly, that whatever circumstances into which we are born predicts what we will do in life. And um, at the time that I was born in pre-civil rights um, America, uh, in rural East Texas, um, one might have predicted uh, my life to go a certain way uh, because uh, I would not have access to uh, many of the things that um, young people have access to today. Those things being opportunities. Yes. And being able to get a world-class education, which you, which you got and which you help others, others uh, receive. Yeah, I, I, I was, um, you know, the sharecropping existence was uh, quite limiting. My older, I'm the youngest of 12 children. The older uh, children in the family um, had to work in the fields and, of course, didn't get a chance to complete their education. But because I was the youngest and we moved away from rural East Texas to Houston when I was seven years old, I was actually able to go to school every day. And that was the beginning of a journey that um, nobody would have anticipated for me, just being able to go to school. Uh, but at school, I met these incredible people, um, teachers, who took an interest in me and who encouraged me to work hard and to learn, and that set me on, clearly on a path to discover uh, who I was in the world, uh, what I could do in the world, and how far I could go in the world. So I'm very grateful, grateful for my teachers, frankly, for all that they did to get me off to a good start. Our number is 833-877-8255, 833-TPR-TALK. Have a question or a comment for Ruth J. Simmons. Her book is Up Home, One Girl's Journey. So I keep looking at the one girl's journey part of the title, and I'm fixated on the one. I mean, is it really, I mean, it's your journey, you're one person, but is this really why is it just one? Why, how, how, why don't we have more? I mean, I'm sure there are, you know, yeah. and I think about, I'm sure you know Annette Gordon-Reed, and I love her book on Juneteenth, and she's one of my favorite interviews of all time. And, mm -hmm. you know, I love talking to her so much. It, it's not just one, but it's so few and far between. Well, I, I think what I wanted to do in writing my memoir is to give an example of the kinds of um, paths 
um, uh, young people can take, no matter what circumstances they're born into, because I certainly don't believe that one is forever damned um, by um, the limiting uh, circumstances of um, of their early life. And that's what I'm trying to say to my students, is that whatever those obstacles may be, um, there are certain things that you can do every day, step by step, um, to work your way toward a satisfying um, and successful life. Uh, that's what I believe. So I think um, we ended up with one girl's journey um, because um, that's just one example. But it's not the only example. I want everybody to understand is that's my example, but there are myriad ways for people to do things that are just as good or better than what I've done um, as long as, um, as, as one focuses on the things that matter and not on the things that don't matter. But today, it does seem like there is a orchestrated effort in order to limit the path and uh, eliminate opportunities for many in the country who, um, who are not white. Uh, you know, we're seeing the Supreme Court uh, strike down any sort of affirmative action and DEI uh, being outlawed in the state of Texas. Uh, they're making it more difficult, not easier, uh, for, for many. And I know you're saying uh, don't make excuses, uh, make a way, but still uh, they're still trying to make it make it harder for people to do that. Of course, of course. And that's uh, immensely discouraging. And I hear that from people uh, every day. But in this moment, uh, as I've said repeatedly, um, we have to remember that we've been here before um, and that we know that in spite of all the obstacles that are put in uh, in our way, um, we must still um, strive to overcome those obstacles. The opposite is not um, is not an answer. Uh, giving up is not an answer. And so, um, again, I wrote it in this particular time because I knew how discouraged so many people are about what is possible. And I hope that my story really enlightens people that as difficult as times might be, um, we still have to do the same work. We have to work on ourselves. We have to work on overcoming uh, bias. We have to work on ourselves so that we don't become biased in turn. Um, and so uh, I'm very passionate about the idea that uh, we um, can feel empowered as long as one circumstance exists. And this is the most important thing for me. Let's go to a caller. Schools. Um, Schools. Okay. Say again. The most important thing is that as long as we have schools, and that's why I support public school education, and as long as there's a teacher in that classroom um, and the opportunity to learn, um, uh, almost uh, any young person will have a chance. But that's what we have to fight for, uh, access to, uh, to schools. All right, let's go to caller. We have Valerie on the line, and Valerie, you're on the air. Hi, um, I just wanted to say, Doctor, that your your story is very inspiring, and uh, share my story. Um, I, I had a very traumatic um, childhood. I moved around a lot. I was passed around from person to person. And found myself homeless at the age of fifteen. Oh, um, but. Um, around my early 20s, maybe 2021, I finally obtained a GED. 
um, and I went on to San Antonio College and got my associate's degree, although I was suffering with some of the most anxiety I'd ever had in my life, um, but was able to make it through UTSA and get a bachelor's degree in public policy, even oh, though so many people... So many people literally to my face said, don't you think college is just a little too ambitious for you? Um, and now here I, I sit in a precarious situation that I found myself. And I'm like, you know, I think I, I want to go ahead and study for the LSAT and continue my education so I can show my kids that at no matter no matter what age you are, you can still achieve your dreams. Um, and so I love your story, and I just wanted to share mine. Thank you so much for that. It's 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 incredibly uh, important that we have that message before young people. Whenever you start, uh, whenever you uh, take a, a path that doesn't lead to where you think it should lead, um, go in a different direction. There's always the opportunity uh, to. I'm so proud of the fact that you are now going for. Um, for a law degree, I'm speaking tomorrow at um, at a community college here. Um, and one of the things that I try to do is to make sure that people don't think of elite, so-called elite education, as the only avenue for success. Um, and so we've got to uh, keep the doors open to all kinds of uh, institutions that allow um, uh, young people choice in terms of how they learn and when they learn and so forth. So I, I, I couldn't be happier uh, to to hear your story. Do you get a lot of people who tell you stories like that? Yes, I do. And that's been surprising to me in a way because, as I say, I wrote the book for my students who typically um, are, you know, have, have been very um, uh, poor, um, without opportunity, um, and so forth. And uh, yet what I hear from people when I'm doing events is I hear from all kinds of people who maybe came to learning um, later uh, than they would have desired, uh, people who um, even are much, much older and have learned something critical for them to know uh, when they've been in their 60s or 70s and made important decisions about their lives at that moment. So my, my story is about always taking advantage at every period of your life in what uh, you can learn and how you can grow. And uh, so it's for all ages? All ages. So uh, up home, that refers to your your family going back to the the land that that your your yes. that your your mother inherited. Yes, that's correct. And how precious yes. and important it is to have that land. It it is, but um, you know, it's more symbolic than anything else. Just because um, most of us need something uh, to validate our existence. Where do we come from? Um, how do we come to how do we come to be the person that we are? And my tie to that land uh, is my um, is is my um, uh, reflection on who my grandparents were, what they did in their lives, what my parents endured, what they did in their lives, and how that instructs me. Um, as their descendant about what I should do with my life. So I like, I like the reference to my land uh, in that area because it ties me 
to a narrative that is important to me. All right, let's take a break. Our phone line is open, 833-877-8255. Dr. Ruth J. Simmons, her book is Up Home, One Girl's Journey. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Big Sun Solar, committed to helping businesses strive towards energy independence and conservation. Solar is a great way for businesses to lower their carbon footprint. More at bigsunsolar.com slash TPR. This is The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm David Martin Davies. With us is Ruth J. Simmons. Her book is Up Home, One Girl's Journey. Uh, Dr. Simmons is a distinguished president fellow at Rice University and advisor to the president at Harvard University on HBCU initiatives. She served as the president of Prairie View A&M University, and she was the president of Brown University and the president of Smith College. Her story told in this book is incredible. It was named a New Yorker and New York Times book review, uh, best book of the year. Did you see, did you anticipate that people were hungry for your story, uh, Dr. Simmons? Oh my God, absolutely not. I, you know, it, it was very much a kind of local personal project to encourage my students. And um, I really uh, came to want to do that because over the years, um, as students had asked me about my life, um, they seemed really puzzled about how I could do what I've done. And I wanted to lay it out for them in a way that they could reference in the future uh, as they live their lives. And so I just thought it would be a little book that my students might appreciate, and that was it. So, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize it would have the appeal that it's actually having. So your your mother, uh, limited education, uh, and but she seemed to be uh, your north star in many many ways. Can you talk about that? Absolutely, my north star. First of all, to be gifted with a parent who. Uh, is um, selfless um, and um, and spiritual and sensible um, in the face of everything she was going through. So I looked at my mother. I saw that she had nothing. She she didn't have um, anything uh, significant really um, in her life in the way of assets, um, and yet she had this view of the world. And her view of the world was that um, that we should grow up to respect everybody, no matter who they were, that we should never think ourselves superior to another human being, that we should be kind um, and um, and always think about um, others. And that kind of generosity in the face of having nothing just floored me, actually, as a young person. And I didn't really appreciate it until much later in life um, as I tried to follow her teachings. But yes, I, I, I couldn't have been better prepared for the world that I have lived in than, um, than she prepared me for. Uh, and remember now, when she was doing this, um, blacks were um, not entitled to anything. They had no civil rights. They had um, no ability to to um, get an education, really, at a higher level. Um, they were um, uh, really not citizens in full. And in that context, 
um, she taught me to live beyond those limitations and not to be angry about uh, about that, but to try to fulfill my own um, abilities instead. So as your mom told you, uh, you're no better than anybody else. We're, you know, don't don't carry yourself as if you are that way. But you reach a point. You write about this in the book that where you're going to relearn how to speak. You don't sound like you're from Houston, uh, Dr. Simmons. Uh, you know, you sound, you know, educated and well spoken. And I wish I spoke as well as you. Uh, but um, you know, that was a decision. And then some people were critical of you when you decided to to ad- adopt that. Uh, saying you're acting above your station or, you know, and that yes. was that that was a conflict. It it was. But um, but, you know, in a way, uh, picture, um, you know, a, a child who's impoverished, uh, who's wearing clothes uh, and being ridiculed in school for the way that she looks um, and is very much aware that she has nothing. Um, and so for me, this idea of seizing language and being so good at something that you could outshine um, others when you couldn't do it through your appearance, for example, um, or through um, the way that you lived. That that was just a solution for me uh, because I needed something where I felt I um, could really um, master it. And I, I focused on language for that reason. And your, your reading life, what was your reading life as a child? Um, well, since we didn't have books readily available, um, I literally read everything I could get my hands on. Um, and so there was no particular literary genre that I uh, focused on. Uh, and so it, it could it could have been Ivanhoe um, or or it, it could have been um, Emily Bronte. It was whatever the books were that had been handed down or gifted to the local community center. I just read everything that I could get my hands on. That community center, Hester House, it's still there. It's still there, absolutely. And uh, how important was that place for you? I I can't overstate it, really. Um, The fact that, you know, if you live in a community, and especially in in one uh, where families live below the poverty line, um, what are the resources available for children in a setting like this? Well, uh, you know, community centers, schools, that's it. And so um, we relied on um, everything we could um, have access to in those places because we couldn't have it at home. We, we, there, was, there, were, there was not enough money to provide anything. We had no books at home. We had no um, learning materials um, at home. Uh, even my brothers um, uh, learned to play basketball at Hester House um, because that was the only way that they could have an athlete. Uh, athletics outlet uh, is by going to a community center. So community centers um, uh, are vitally important for for people who don't have the means to purchase um, equipment, sports equipment and books and that sort of thing. So um, you had a teacher, they were telling you, you need to be aware of the outside world. You need to consume news uh, be aware of what, what's going on, these developments. And this is happening right at the time uh, President Eisenhower is in charge and we're having Brown v. Board of Education. And then also he has to send the National Guard into Little Rock because they're trying to keep African-American children from going to high school there. 
What was that like for you to uh, experience as a child growing up, uh, witnessing, uh, living in that time? Well, it was tumultuous. Um, and of course, uh, as a child, um, you're you're thinking, well, this is the world I've been born into, and and therefore um, I'm not going to really be able to do certain kinds of things. And so I, I came to understand that my place was going to be circumscribed by the political uh, circumstances of the moment. And I, I I thought that I would become a maid. I mean, I, I when I was certainly. Uh, in grade school and uh, middle school, I thought that was the route that I would take because every black woman I knew had had um, was working in private homes as as maids. Um, and if you looked at the news at the time, you didn't think it was going to go anywhere. Um, so, so, but but you know, things opened up. Um, during the civil rights struggle, and you began to see that there were people of courage and conviction who were determined to uh, overturn um, those circumstances. And you gradually began to have some hope that things might change one day. And so I, my hope came alive during that period as the civil rights struggle was unfolding. Well, you talk about things like recognize that we are living on a timeline that the the moment of now is not the end uh there this is a continuum where do you see us right now in the continuum of things do you think we're living right now in another important part of uh, history in regards to uh, cementing civil rights uh, you know we're having all this pushback we're hearing all this anti-civil rights rhetoric is yeah. now's the time to to make it to to make your move Unquestionably, this is a pivotal uh, moment. But he- here's the way that I um, explain it to my to my students or to any audience, really. Okay, so um, whatever the past, uh, we are where we are as a nation. We are a very diverse country, um, and the question of how we go forward into the future will very much depend on whether or not we can resolve the conflicts. Uh, across race and across difference. If we don't learn that essential um, uh, manner of forming a union, then we're done for as a nation. And so I'm, I'm ever hopeful that people will eventually get that and understand that whatever our personal circumstances, whatever our personal beliefs and thoughts, we have to work with others. We have to admit others to this enterprise if we're going to succeed and if we're going to survive. So I think this is a moment where all of that comes into clearer focus for us because when we see people tearing each other apart um, and um, and uh, spewing hatred um, and uh, dividing the world in the way that we see today, it's it's much more stark to us that this cannot last um, and that we must be involved in changing it. And what sort of involvement do you think people should look for? Um, I don't think it's one um, uh, formula for everybody. I, I just insist that everybody has to take responsibility for being a part of the solution, however they want to do that. If they want to be involved with um, with children's programs, that's fine. If they want to be involved with um, programs that help to uh, teach people about different groups, 
that's fine. If they want to go um, into um, different uh, volunteer services, that's fine. But everybody must do something because left unattended, uh, the circumstances of the moment will lead us into a very dark place. Dr. Ruth Simmons, former president of Brown University in Prairie View to A&M in Texas, um, and her book is Up Home, One Girl's Journey. It was so great to have you on. Thank you so much. She will be speaking at Trinity University as the 2024 DeCourcy Lecturer on Thursday, February 29th at 5 p.m. It's free and open to the public. No tickets are required. This is The Source on Texas Public Radio. Thanks for listening. This has been The Source on Texas Public Radio. The Source is hosted and produced by David Martin Davies. Kayla Padilla is our booking and engagement producer. Engineering support from Ruben Garcia, Jesse Reeves, and Steve Short. Dan Katz is TPR's Vice President of News. The Source is made possible with support from the Gladys and Ralph Lazarus Foundation.